Everybody nice and warm? In fact, the sun's back out, and I feel like I need to peel off a vest here. Well, um, youth meets today, so if there's any, I think they all slipped out. Any youth in service, youth is next door, upstairs, we'll dismiss you. Older youth, you get to stay, all right? All the older youth. Um, this week, so Friday, is our food ministry set up. If you'd like to come out and help them set up, they do so at 1.30. Friday is all the pickup of the different foods given out on Saturday. This coming Saturday is our free food outreach. Uh, it starts at 9 o'clock. How many of you have seen the banner? Had somebody, let me see the banner outside. we got banner. It's on Facebook. It's on everything. 9 o'clock we serve. Open the doors. But if you'd like to come and serve, the families that come, come at 8.30. We have various different things you can serve, serving food on the inside, helping people carry their food outside. Um, we have a craft table that's in, outside for kids, so there's a great way to bless uh, our community. And everybody say diapers. diapers. And parents, <laughs> I say, parents know the value of diapers. It's more precious than gold and silver, right? Uh, <laughs> as we sang today. But if you're out at the store, one of, one of the uh, requests that we do get each time is diapers. We typically have them uh, from an organization, but they've been out and they're waiting on it. So it's sizes two, three, four, five, or six. If you're at a store, Walmart, Sam's Club, Costco, wherever you shop, um, and you'd like to bring those, I encourage you to do so. It might be an interesting conversation if you have diapers and on the belt, right, as a checker. They might look at you and say, you know, what's this for? But um, bring them on out. All right, and then uh, men's and women's breakfast, March 2nd, 8 a.m. Well, let me read this first for our tithes and offerings today. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Deuteronomy 8, 18. And you, everybody point at yourself. Because we like to do this, right? And you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. We shall remember the Lord. So in our offering time today, uh, as we do each and every week, I want to put a prayer on the screen. Would you pray this individually between yourself and your father, God, and let's remember these words and let's let this flow out of our hearts. Let's pray this together. Ready? As I give in today's offering, Lord, I will remember you first in all that I do. I ask for your wisdom in the decisions that I make and forgive me for the times I have forgotten you and when I've allowed the distractions of this world to pull me away from your presence. I offer my prayers and my offering in praise and thanksgiving to you today, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're giving today in service, there is an envelope in the seat back pocket. As you exit today, you can place it in the offering slot that's on the wall by the sound booth. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, and you can give online. You can also download today's message notes as well and keep up on events and activities. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, open with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We'll get there in just a minute. I want to read Colossians 
chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. We've been reading this each and every week, kind of setting up where we're going in Mark 4. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Let's all read this together. Ready? As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding with, say it with me, thanksgiving. As you have received Jesus, walk in him, be rooted in him. So we've been looking at one of the parables that Jesus said, if you're going to understand any of the parables, if you want to understand the kingdom of God, you have to understand this one in Mark chapter 4. And I want to read um, Mark 4, verse 26 through 29, because Jesus is going to give us the insight how God's kingdom and his word works. And he uses that analogy of a seed planted that's growing. And so in Mark 4, Jesus says these words in verse 26. And he said to them, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But then when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. One of the words we looked at last week was the word, the earth yields crops by itself, right? And it was a, a Greek word, automate. It automatically begins to grow. And, and I'd mentioned, you know, we know all the scientific words of the seed. We know germination. We know photosynthesis. We know uh, hydrophonics, all those big, big, big words. We don't know how it works, but it works by itself because Jesus said it automatically automates. So the most important part is getting God's word into the soils of our hearts. So, Father, we take a moment and we pray to you. and We thank you, Lord, as we've worshiped you. As we've come before you, Lord, we open up this heart, this soil of our hearts, that you would deposit a word into our heart by your Holy Spirit, that we would listen and be attentive to your voice and follow you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, so let me read again. Let me read the parable as Jesus said it to the crowd. And then let me read the explanation of the parable. And we're going to look today at the thorns. Not somebody sitting next to you that's just a snow. We don't use, we don't use that, do we? You're a thorn, no. Well, I want to look at the thorns that were there. So we read this in Mark chapter 4 and in verse 3. Jesus said, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, 
it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. Well, let's listen to what Jesus says as he explains this parable in verse 13. He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and they so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. So when Jesus taught this, this was a teaching minute of this parable to the people. He wasn't feeding them after. He was teaching them this principle of the soil of the heart. In fact, what we read is the soil of our hearts determine the harvest of his word. Now, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It was the soil, right? It was the hearts in fact, we know this, that everybody heard the word. Everybody heard the word, but it was the soil of their heart. So Wednesday night, Valentine's night, uh, my daughter, my son-in-law, and my son were over. And I keep um, a catalog of, of illustration stories just that I can go back and use for different messages. And I remembered a story. I couldn't remember when it happened. I, I only remembered that my daughter was driving to church one Sunday morning. And she called me and she says, Dad, I'm lost. And I said, okay, what, what freeway are you on? She says, I have no idea. I thought I was on my way to church. All right, what sign do you see? She says, I see Ontario Airport. Oh, right, you're like. So we revisited the story because I said, remind me when that story was. She says, well, that was our first Easter at church. So I looked it up. That was Easter. It was April 5th of 2015. It was our fourth Sunday here. So I wanted to get a little bit more background on the story. She was driving Michelle. Michelle was in the passenger seat, and as my daughter explained the other night, Michelle was busy putting on her makeup and doing her eyes and doing whatever else she was doing in the car. And a good friend of ours was driving uh, with us. She was out. Actually, I think she went to school still, uh, and she was coming to church for our first Easter. And so Michelle was busy. Madison's on the 60, and she didn't get over on the 57, so she's at Ontario Airport. 
So she tells us by the time they pulled in the parking lot, they're all mad at each other, and they walk out and go get pancakes in the fellowship hall. I didn't hear that whole story. It's taken all these years to get every little detail. They were upset. Isn't it interesting that that sometimes happens on a Sunday morning? Right? Then my daughter went on. She'll tell a bunch of stories. And I said, wait, what, what was the time that the chili rolled over in the car on the way to church? Oh, yeah, we were in my car, and Mom says I made a wrong turn, and the whole chili crockpot turned over and went on the back of the car. Well, I remember that I wanted to try our chili, and they kept telling me, don't worry about it, don't ask about it, don't ask about it. Because the problem was, I'm going to have to clean it up later, right? It's going to be all over the car. So just like you, things happen, right? The enemy wants to come in and do things because he doesn't want you to pay attention to those words that come on the screen that become life to us, health to us. Last week, we looked at stony ground that those stones were in the ground already. They didn't clear the stones. And the seed of the word of God is not going to grow. But today we're going to look at the thorny ground, right? The thorny ground. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Let me read a couple verses before we get to that thorny ground. Peter writes it this way. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. You know, there are. There are seed packets that you can have to plant that if you wait too long, it just it's not going to work. It's not going to germinate. The word of God is incorruptible. In fact, we read here, it lives and abides forever. Right? It's an eternal word. The grass will wither, the flower will fade, but the word of God stands and lasts forever. Well, we read this verse a couple weeks ago, Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. And I, Isaiah had prophesied it, and he says this, For as the rain comes down, I think 430 today is what it, they're saying, as the rain comes down and snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now listen to what he says. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. That means empty, unfruitful. It will not return void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing to which I send it. You know, I believe this, that there were people that prayed for me that are no longer here on, on planet Earth, but they prayed God's word, and those prayers don't end. Because it's God's word. It doesn't end. His word doesn't fail. It doesn't end. He says it doesn't return void. Philip Hood, when he came back from Australia, one of these trips, uh, bought me a boomerang. And I never figured out how to do it right. I figured I was going to take out windows. But a boomerang, when it's thrown, what is it supposed to do? It's supposed to return back to you. Well, that's not a good illustration for God's word. A good illustration for God's word is an arrow. 
because the arrow is going to go and hit the target, right? It's going to go and hit the target. It doesn't return to itself void. So now we pick up this story, this parable that Jesus talks about, that some seed fell among thorns. But when we read this in verse 18 and 19 of Mark 4, let me read these two verses again. Now these are the ones sown among soil. You know, it doesn't say that. The thorns were there. The thorns weren't removed. The, the soil wasn't cleared. So they sow them among thorns, and these are the ones that hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other, other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So what grew when the seed was planted there? The thorns. The thorns. They weren't cleared out. The ground wasn't prepared, and that word didn't grow. It was choked out. Let me read two translations of this to us. The first one is the contemporary English version, and it says this, Jesus' words. But they start worrying about the needs of this life. They are fooled by the desire to get rich and to have all kinds of other things. So the message gets choked out, and they never produce anything. The Amplified Bible says it this way. Then the cares and the anxieties of the world and the distraction of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour. Boy, is that not a word that we see all the time? False glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. Fruitless. You know, uh, I was thinking of this if, if your job was, let's say you're commissioned only in sales and you didn't sell anything today. And so that meant maybe you didn't have food tonight, and so you'd have to say, hey, kids, we're not eating tonight. I was fruitless. You didn't sell anything all month long, so you don't get a paycheck. Well, that would mean you were fruitless, right? The, the, the plan is that you're fruitful. The plan is that things don't get choked out. You know, and I was trying to think of this in Bible times, because today we think of cars and houses and Maybe Julie. It would be like in Bible time saying, did you see Walter got a new donkey? He did? You know, we've been talking about that for a while to get a new donkey. We need to go donkey shopping. Huh? What kind did he get? You know, well, it's this red donkey. No, he didn't get a red donkey. Or it'd be like, did you hear, hear Michelle got a new field? She did? You know, we've been trying to get a new field. Boy, that bothers me that she got a field before I got a field. I really wanted a field and a donkey. Now, today we look at it different ways, right? People get certain things, or because of social media, people post on what trips and, and where they did. And we watched a documentary years ago, and, and people were posting with toilet seats that looked like a jet, like they were on some private jet with a little, like, you know, sky in the background, and they were posting that they were somewhere in the Bahamas. And they're holding up a toilet seat. Right? Or they'd sit on some sofa that they said they were in some, some jet. But Jesus talks about 
that this type, the thorns, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You know, Jesus didn't teach on not having anything. He taught on things not having us. Things not having us. The Bible talks about that the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, we read that. That was a great example there. The deceitfulness of riches, the craving, the passionate desire for other things choke or suffocate the word. Well, listen to this. That word, thorns choke, we read that's worries, worries about money, worries about desires about things. But what's interesting is it started out being alive, but it became fruitless. Or it's trying to ride the fence that I can live both ways. And it's those cares, deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. You know, Jesus had some good words to Martha. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 41, when Martha and Mary are in the house, and Martha's busy serving, and Mary wants to sit at his feet and listen to his teaching, Jesus said these words, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Yet, Mary chose the good part, and it will not be taken from her. Sometimes we live in the worried and troubled, and we stay in the worried and troubled, where we forget about what Mary did. She was going to sit at the feet of Jesus. She was going to get up and serve. I want to hear what he had, had to say. And Jesus said it would not be taken away from her. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10, so, uh, Solomon writes this, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity, worthless. Isn't that interesting? You ever, you ever order anything today? Let's say you order something on Amazon and it's going to deliver between a certain time and you just can't wait, right? You're counting, you're checking. Did I get an email? Did it get delivered? Did it hit my doorbell? And then you get it and it's like, oh, okay, I got this thing. And then you got to do it again, right? I got to get on. I can get it at two o'clock. I can move on. Isn't it interesting how that desire for us has been put in there by God to have a desire, but it's used for the opposite in not worshiping him. So that desire should be for him. That desire should be for him. And I've told this story before. When I would take my son, when he, would, when he was young and he would do a chore or something, I would take him to the Dollar Tree to get a toy. But one day he figured out that good toys are not at Dollar Tree. Right? They break on the drive home. The good toys are at Toys R Us. And so, but the problem was you take him to Toys R Us, right? He wanted 10 things. So he used this one time. He says, Dad, can you take me, I mean, how old were you, five or six years old? Can you take me to Toys R Us today, Dad? Michelle, right? No, do not take him to Toys R Us. It's not going to end well, right? You're going to be dragging him out of the store because he's, no, 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 he's, Dad, just please. I just want to look. I just want to look. I don't need anything. I don't want, I just want to look, look, look. She says, Walter, it's a bad idea. Ah, just take him, you know, he, he just wants to look. Sure enough, you're dragging him out of aisle 14. He's crying and screaming. Oh, they had that. They've never had that before. She's like, you baited him, right? You set him up. So there's that part of 
that teaching and training that we have to have as adults. We have to wait. We have to trust God. You know, uh, James 1.15 says this. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth what? Death. So we read that in the scripture, right? Desire conceived, desires. Cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires or lust choke out the word of God. You know, I was thinking about this in the Old Testament. We read about Noah. We read about Abraham. And we read um, also about Moses that left everything to follow God. Everything. You know, Noah, best decision of his life. That would have been a rough time after that other ark left if you weren't on it. But they followed a God and they listened to his voice. And Abram and Sarai heard the strangest words of, leave your father and mother and go to a land that I will show you, right? And you're going to have descendants and nations. But they did it. Moses on the backside of the desert, probably thinking he's enjoying retirement at 80 years old. God calls him to let the people free, let them go. But yet when we come to the New Testament, in the ministry of Jesus, when Jesus is living amongst them, some of his brothers didn't even believe. Some disciples, the Bible said, not the 12, but some disciples walked away and didn't follow him anymore. The rich, young ruler, who that's all we know about him, didn't have a name. His name wasn't Rich, like Richard. Rich, young ruler. He had a burning desire. He wanted to ask Jesus about eternal life. Jesus didn't say anything about eternal life. In fact, he twisted the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments around, and, and he blurted out at the end, Teacher, I've obeyed all these from my youth. And Jesus said, um, You lack one thing. Oh, isn't that a great thing to hear? You only lack one thing. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. Right? Oh, really? That's all I have to do? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says not only he didn't do it, but he walked away. He went away sad. Because he could not do what Jesus said. Jesus in the flesh. Gives you a directive, right? He's walking among you. You've heard of him, and you're not going to do anything that he says to do. And we look at that, and we say, wow. But then we look in a mirror. Sometimes we do the exact same things. We think it's too hard. We don't want to do that. Do I really trust, trust in him? You know, uh, in one of the churches of the the seven letters to the churches in Revelation, 60-some years after Jesus resurrected from the dead, Jesus writes them a letter, and it's through John, and listen to what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. So this, this is Jesus listening to what they talk about. He says, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Oh. 
somebody puffed up enough to say, we're wealthy. We don't need anything. In fact, we can, we can take care of anything. Jesus looks at, you know, kind of like we say, he looks at the heart. He's got some other words for them. He uses words like wretched. I don't know, we haven't used that before in a while, have we? You're miserable. You're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. Thorns, right? The thorns that weren't taken out. That heart of surrender to the Lord that I follow him, removing the thorns. You know, my football coach, uh, I went to a Christian school, so they weren't allowed to call it Hell Week. That's what it's called, right? Because they put you through it. They called it Pride Week. There was no pride in that week unless you finished. And we would do these stations. They would do 15 minutes of, of these drills, and one of them was up-downs. And if you've never seen it before, you'd run in place, they blow a whistle, you hit the ground, you get back up, and you run in place, and they do that for 15 minutes. Except he put us where there were thorns. And I'll never forget, one of the guys was like, he's like, Coach, Coach, we're in a thorn bed. Can we move to, to better grass? And the coach says, oh, sure, would you like to go to better grass? And he kept blowing that whistle, in the thorns, in the thorns, in the thorns. We had thorns in our hands, our elbows, our knees, everywhere. Those things hurt. Thorns. But Jesus said the word when it was planted there, there were already thorns. They weren't removed. You know, I wanted to remind ourselves uh, uh, this in Genesis 3.18. Where did thorns come from? The curse. The Bible says this, that when God cursed the ground, he said, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Thorns and thistles. Rose bushes have thorns. A lot of bushes have, have thorns for protection. But thorns evidently entered in now in that Garden of Eden because of the curse, those thorns. Those thorns choke out the word. Now, it's interesting because it's unfruitful. There's no fruit. It's barren. It's not yielding any crop at all. It's completely worthless, or as Jesus said, miserable. It's not birthing anything. But isn't it interesting that on Jesus' crown of his head, that the soldiers crowned a crown of thorns and stuck it into his head, which we read about all really throughout those Bibles, those examples of he emptied himself of all reputation, right? Taking the form of a servant, the suffering. But upon him is that crown of thorns. But it was used to mock him, to slap him. They threw that purple robe on him. But those thorns that came up as part of a curse, he takes that curse upon himself. This life, where we do, we have to work, we have to earn a living, we have to raise kids, we have to get to work, we have to use transportation. God knows we need all of those things. But the number one thing he comes back to is don't allow those things to have you. Because it will choke out the word. It becomes that desire, it becomes that toy store run, right? Toys R Us run. It becomes something that becomes so powerful that we don't read this in the scripture at all. In fact, interesting, the two things we read in the scripture that are probably the strongest is when we don't forgive others, God doesn't hear our prayers and won't forgive. Think about that. Forgiving others. That's in the Bible. 
The other one is there will, his word will have no, it doesn't return void, but it will have no fruit when the seeds are thrown among thorns. No fruit. That's a daily thing of coming back to him and to making sure that the things don't have us. But you know who has us? He has us. Jesus said these words in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me, say it with me, you can do nothing. Well, there's a lot of people doing things. Yeah, nothing that matters. Nothing that matters. Nothing that anybody gets to take with them. Not fulfilling, you know, his kingdom. And remember that. He's the vine and I'm the branch. I was uh, listening and I wrote it down here. In fact, um, bow your heads if you would with me and I'll have our worship team slip up here. I want to read just these lyrics out of that group, Casting Crowns. In fact, they have a song. Look it up later if you've never heard of it before. It's called Only Jesus. And it starts with the beginning, kind of like we've been talking about, about life is about what people say life is about. Make your life count. Leave a mark. Build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams. Chase your heart above all else. Make a name for yourself that the world remembers. All the kingdoms built and all the trophies won will crumble into dust when it's all said and done. Because all that really mattered is, did I live the gospel truth to the ones I love? Was my life proof that there is only one, and his name is the one that lasts forever. Father, we come here today, and all of us have to do some thorn removal. And we come into Jesus' words, and we remember when we read those things, it's so hard to read that the word gets choked and becomes unfruitful lord without you we can do nothing so father we come before you we humble ourselves before you we remove thorns the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches the desires for other things this will be a lifelong mission of serving you of humbling ourselves before you of of planting your word deep in our hearts so that we'll grow but we'll, we'll receive that life abundantly that you promised when we do those steps. Father, thank you for teaching us that this is the parable of parables and let the soil of my heart be ready for a harvest. Let it be ready for a harvest. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Stand with me if you would. We're going to close with this song. In fact, um, they've been leading this the last couple weeks on Christ, the solid rock I stand. It's an older hymn that's sung, but it has powerful words that our foundation, that our life is built on only one. Download the notes. There's some questions. In fact, we call it, as for me and my house, so you can sit with your family, co-workers. You know, there's one of the questions what area is my greatest 
thorn or weakness? Then what scripture or scriptures can I memorize to pray about and act on to overcome that weakness? I pray that you go back and find out that soul search. Find out, boy, if there's any area of weakness, what scripture, what seed can I plant in my heart that I can be an overcomer, that I can be a blessing upon his kingdom, right? Because my heart is for him and all that he's doing. All right. Well, if you need prayer today, please uh, don't leave without us praying for you. Have a great, great day. Remember, Friday, food ministry set up. Saturday, food ministry, free food out. Come and serve at 8.30. Diapers, look at somebody right next to you. Diaper alert, right? Diaper alert. Um, sizes two through six. But the Lord bless you. We follow him. God bless you. Have a great day.